Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. Maybe some of you remember from a few of my past uh, programs that I have a particular interest in how, in fact, the change of seasons affects uh, our, our human life how, in fact, not only physically, but mentally and even emotionally, how the passage of seasons seems to orient ourselves uh, toward a a different uh, reality around us. And I think one of the greatest transitions is the one that we have just experienced, and that is the transition between April and May. Now, I think that many, many, many of you have heard the expression, April is the cruelest month. And it's used uh, in a number of settings, and I'm amazed at how a piece uh, of poetry, the opening verse of the poem, can be remembered by so many people without understanding uh, the context of the the phrase and uh, the meaning of the poem. And in fact, the poem begins, April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring us with surprising spring rain. But that is cruel to the poem, because as the poem goes on, winter kept us uh, comfortable. Spring wakens us up. And that's its cruelty. And remember that the poem, It's the Wasteland by T.S. Eliot, was written in 1922 after the devastation and confusion of World War I and how people hoped simply to forget and not be awakened, not having memory and desire mixed. But you know, April is not the cruelest month. But I will tell you, it's very often the most fickle of months. As we experience, a day can be in the 70s, the next day we have a freeze warning. Rain, snow, some sun. Uh, Even in uh, Columbus, we had a couple of magnificent sunny days. Thankfully, this year it was Easter. But there was another poet who wrote about uh, spring, a poet whose name you know, uh, you may know, Gerard Manley Hopkins. He lived to be only 42. He died in 1889 of typhoid fever. He was a convert to Catholicism and was brought into the church under the tutelage of St. John Henry Newman. He was a poet of, of, of genius, of great religious sensitivity, a profound love uh, of nature. Although most of his poetry was not known until after his death, he joined the Jesuit order 
And as a Jesuit, he once took a private vow that he would no longer write poetry but uh, devote himself entirely uh, to the gospel, the study of theology and teaching. He turned out to be an indifferent teacher. But because a friend preserved his, his poetical works, which were by and large published in the early part of the 20th century, he became recognized as one of the finest poets writing in English. Now, I can go on about uh, the wonder of his, his poetry. He developed new techniques. He developed a new rhythm. He wrote probably one of the finest poems in English, The Wreck of the Deutschland, which was uh, a remembrance of the death of five Franciscan sisters who had been thrown out of Germany by anti-Catholic laws in 1875 and were sailing to the United States, specifically to Missouri, to take up a, a mission in the school there. When off the coast of England, the, the ship sank, uh, killing those aboard. Powerful uh, poem. But there's also... Uh, another poem, a shorter one, and uh, a very lovely uh, poem called The May Magnificat, which celebrates the, the month of May. And it is associated not only with the month, but with devotion to Mary. I remember as a child, May was the nickname for Mary. I knew a number of women and, and girls who were just referred to as May, although they were baptized as Mary. And Gerard Manley Hopkins begins uh, the poem by uh, saying, I, uh, by wondering, why is it that with all the feast days that follow in order, the feast of the Annunciation, the feast of Christmas, the feast of the Assumption, why the month of May should be considered the month of Mary. And in fact, in my childhood, my, May was Mary month. I remember the Mary uh, altars that we used to construct. I remember also uh, in my grammar school, which was not a Catholic school, I think it was in second grade, we all were taught uh, to make May baskets. That is, is an exercise in developing our, our, our small motor skills with paste and scissors. But we would take those and then we'd fill them uh, with flowers, by and large dandelions and violets, put them on the door of our front door, ring the doorbell, and then run away and, and hide and see my mother come out. My mother knew exactly what was going on. But we would come into the house, and there was the May basket in a little uh, container of water. I remember how uh, the devotions to Mary were so powerful at, at that time. But Gerard Manley Hopkins, in his poem, The May Magnificat, makes a marvelous connection between Mary and the natural world of the May month. And he says that as, he, as May develops, 
there's a recognition that creation, our, our, the creation, natural creation around us, in its own way, is magnifying the power of God, just as Mary magnified the power of God in her own life, in her ascent to uh, become the mother of the Savior. And the poem is filled with such marvelous descriptions and delicacy about how, in fact, nature itself says something about God. And after all, creation is uh, the first revelation of God. And in that, that, that May scene, uh, May, Mary, reflecting God's creation, reflecting uh, the creation of God through Jesus Christ that Mary had, it's a marvelous uh, understanding. And in May, I think, uh, at least I've always experienced, as a month of fullness and summing up. The sunny, cool releases us from winter, but we are not yet overwhelmed by summer heat. It is bright, it is sunny, it is uh, out in an atmosphere that is both refreshing and invigorating. But it was also a time when the school year started to wind down, school projects were being finished, papers uh, being uh, written. It was a time of confirmation and First Holy Communions. And in fact, in May, we realize that all of the mysteries of salvation have already been celebrated by the church. And there's that fullness of Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter, Good Friday, Pentecost. There's a fullness. And it means, of course, that we now have to draw that fullness into ourselves as we draw the fullness of nature around us into ourselves at, in, in May. All of my ordinations occurred in May. I was ordained a deacon on May 25th, a priest on May 31st, and a bishop on May 14th. The month of May is especially uh, important to me, I think, for, the, for that. But it was that sense of enjoying the richness of the fullness of Jesus' revelation and the power of his ministry, of drawing it into your life, as well as the richness of, uh, of summer come back alive, undoing that, that understanding in the wasteland of T.S. Eliot that April is the cruelest month because it wakes us up. No, it may be fickle, but it has a bracing in, uh, endeavor to call us forth to the life that God has given us. In fact, now in, on May 31st, we will celebrate the ordination and an installation of a new bishop here in Columbus. I'll always remember his installation date because it's the same day as my ordination as a priest. And that's also the feast of the visitation of, of Mary and which allowed me to become closer to St. Francis de Sales, who founded with Jane de Chantal the Visitation Sisters, with whom I was closely associated back in Minnesota. 
how it all comes together, as uh, Gerard Man, uh, Manley Hopkins said, the richness of, of nature magnifying God, Mary magnifying God, our life finding a freshness and a new us. And now, of course, the month of May is a wonderful time to enjoy newness of both natural and supernatural life. The task of incorporating these mysteries into our everyday life and to turn our eyes and our voices toward Mary as the exemplar of discipleship. Praise her for that example and ask her intercession. <laughs> 